October 8, 2021. It's the Wife for Pedro Show.
For Pedro Show, happy Friday. Start off the show with I Wait and Pray, the alternate take from John Coltrane. And then Lisa Cameron, Sandy Ewan, Tiger Saw. I just got word from uh, Lisa Cameron. There's a new uh, Ganji. What's that project she's got with uh, Raquel Bell? Oh, I forget what it's called. Some Ganji land or some something. Like, he was in the desert, you know, uh, where they live, Joshua Tree, and they got new stuff uh, coming out, and so, uh, maybe Marfa too, though, I don't, I didn't know, I just know new music's coming from them, and I'm a big fan of both of them, Galaxy, right, is the Raquel's thing, Jared, and uh, I think he's part of it too, on some I bought some artwork from Raquel a while ago. I think he's uh, doing some percussion, yeah, yeah, she does that also, uh, I got to uh, share the stage with him in Chinatown once. Cool. Well, actually, the deck of the Golden Jazz Restaurant or something like this. It was very interesting. They're they're a great band. That 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 couple. Uh, but I'm interested in your journey through music. First, we got to give credit to Brother Bill for making the connect. Correct. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, your journey through music. So please bring your earliest musical memory you got still in your brain, Sandy. I mean, earliest musical memory is tricky because, you know, music's kind of ubiquitous. So I remember 
Yeah, but it's a lot for Pedro show. Where there's my, my parents, my parents both played piano. Sandy, um, you got to so. understand, it's a lot for Pedro show, and there's no hard questions. There's no wrong answers. Yeah, well, I don't know. I grew up, you know, uh, listening to music like everybody does, and you know, the parents started me on piano lessons when I was probably about seven or eight or something, and uh, they you always want, played. Do you want to hear the most common answer? The most common answer is I'm driving around in the car with my pop or my ma and I'm hearing the radio. That's the most common one. <laughs> so, you know, you're right. If, if music is ubiquitous, but I think something's got to start somewhere where you got on your path. So you, both your parents were piano players. Was there piano in the pad you grew up? Yeah. I mean, my parents weren't like professional piano players, but they uh, enjoyed playing piano and they, they did musical theater when they were in college. Now, did they put you, or did you jump on that piano, or did you get made to take lessons, or what was the experience? It was just sort of the way it was going to be. I don't, I don't think I was asked either way. Sort of like, oh, we have piano now. And what, what was the experience? Because it's all kinds of ranges of guests that've been on my show. Some people it almost made them quit music. Other people, it was very valuable. To well, this day, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I really liked playing by ear. Like, if my piano teacher would play something, I could usually play it back. So, like, learning to read music. I mean, I did, but it was a bit more frustrating because it was is I don't know, kind of slow. You look at the note, and you play the note on the thing, and you know, getting the phrasing right is hard without hearing it first. Were you, um, were you really little? How old were you? Um, I don't know, seven. I'm not sure how old I was when I started, but. Probably about six or seven. I mean, yeah, the piano was, I mean, the the piano was time, only in the house. Yeah, but at the same time, you're learning how to read and write. You know, it, it, I can imagine the challenge. I can imagine it. And, yeah, uh, our, our, our piano was a Yamaha piano, and it said Yamaha right above the middle notes on the piano. And I remember trying to notate, like, twinkle, twinkle, ha, uh, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and notating it with the letters of Yamaha. <laughs> You were using them like as a reference. Yeah, like why, uh, why? Point. I forget yeah. what the H, okay. H, something, something. No, you know, sometimes you need another device, right? Because you're right. So much memory, so much stuff trying to get stuffed in the head. But you said yeah. when you could play by ear, you were freed yeah. up in a way, right? I think yeah, that yeah. led I mean, up. I think that led up to why you're such a student of free music nowadays, maybe. Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I, I could read music. I don't really read music these days at all because I'm almost strictly improvising. And whenever I'm playing something composed, um, it's never musical notation. I've done a lot of graphics scores or just sort of text-based scores, all sorts of things. I have a – in Texas, I was leading this all-female large ensemble. And the goal of that was just to get more ladies in the music because I was finding that I was playing in all these sort of free improv groups with gentlemen in the scene, but there were a lot of interesting women. So I started this group and it was a lot of people who had never really played music too much before or, you know, everyone could sing. So I had everyone writing pieces that could be communicated without, you know, musical notation. So sort of like descriptions of how to do stuff or, or like ways of interacting. So that was, that was really fun. And I think. Yeah. I want to I get would, to that, but I want to get before that actually. And there was, there was ensembles with women, believe it or not, there was something called mandolin orchestras a hundred years ago. And they usually were all women, 
But you're right. There, there's a lot of segregation, a lot of prejudice, bullshit. You know, play the tambourine instead in the back. The first rock and roll lady I saw was Susie Quattro, and she was on bass. I dug that. Let me ask you the first record you bought with your own money. Uh, slanted. Oh, wait, no. Right in the Corners by Pavement. And what was the first gig you went saw? I think my parents brought me to see Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I think that was the first one. Okay. Remember, there's no wrong answers. It's okay. I'm uh, just trying to what remember about that's actually the first one. That's okay, though. You know, it's not interrogation. One of the reasons I ask these questions is because I want to bring this stuff out. So people are afraid of getting into music. If they hear other people, how they got into music, maybe they won't be afraid. That's the only reason I ask. There's no yeah. yardstick or shit like that. Uh, let me ask you this. At school, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Yeah. Uh, growing up, I was in, like, in elementary school, I was in choir. Uh, when my family moved to the United States, uh, we, I started playing clarinet in band. That would have been like fifth grade or something. And I continued with clarinet until middle school because um, they made you choose your elective. You had to choose either art or music. So I did music, you know, marching band for a semester. And then I wanted to switch over to visual art. And you can't do both. So I, I quit playing clarinet. You can't do both. No, those no. were the rules of that institution. You can do both. I got plenty of friends who do both. <laughs> well, the school wouldn't let me do both. Yeah, I so understand. I, I understand. I was just having a little fun with that. Of course, of course. And especially being a kid, you don't understand. You think that's the way the world is, right? Because that's all you know. Well, uh, I can, find you, you can do both. I mean, I switched to guitar then, and I well, still do That's what I'm going to get into. I'm going to get into and ask you this, Sandy. After school, not graduating, but in the afternoon, did you do the garage band, the basement band, the bedroom band? Um, in high school, a little bit, but it was more of a free improv band. That's okay. Yeah. What, what it means is it's like you guys' own band. It's not being directed by adults or so. Yeah, well, we, we would. I was doing workshops, and then the people from the workshop would get together extra and play at somebody's house and you know do a little bit of recording or whatever. Now, when you say improv, so in a way, that's early, or composing, it's a form of composing, right? I mean, I guess so, but... No, I asked that I mean, because I think, when I think me it, and it Boone started... It's like live composing, so I don't know, some people would say no, and some people would say maybe. Okay, I'm going to say it is, because when me and D. Boone started, we tried copying songs off fucking records. So I would rather be doing, I think that's a lot <laughs> well, that's closer. Not, yeah. yeah, that ain't composing at all. <laughs> but you don't know, right? If you don't have a culture of that around you, it's hard to know to make choices. So yeah. Th yeah, you don't want to be part of the 70s. It was a bunch of shit. <laughs> My experience. Okay, some some good things. Like most things human, it's a mixed deal, right? There's pluses and minuses. So you guys were, imp now did you have role models? Um, well, I guess, you know, I was, I was listening to a lot of, you know, free jazz. I was listening to, to your band, the Minutemen and like, uh, all sorts of different stuff in high school. And then I, I, uh, I met, uh, Dave Dove who was doing, uh, Trombone man out of Houston. yeah. Have, have you talked to him? 
No, he had me and Kate come play three gigs in Houston. Yeah, I know. I was there. Okay. That's how I know yeah. him. <laughs> he later brought me to that silver slipper, and I got all baracho with Jandik. Oh, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, that was... I missed that. That was the I time. Okay, that. you missed that, Sandy. That, that That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, Dave Dove, great cat. Okay, and I know he's way into experimental. And uh, Oh, man, we should play this here. You gave me this uh, etched in the eye, Space Chomp. <laughs>
the Eye with the tune called Space Chalk. Love it. Model Home, brand new. This is, uh, they got a new album out, and this is a single night break. Beautiful album. Uh, 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 the D.C. area. A Mamsel, this from up in the city. Uh, this is a uh, Moomsel. Is Ma, right? Maya. Uh, she's, uh, I think, with the uh, San Francisco Symphony or something. And uh, this is just her jamming along. Her daughter recording it. Graf out of the Netherlands with Broth, Vermes Dolimbo from their new album, Vacina, out of Brazil, landowner in England, but they're straight. Brand new from Harry Reeve up in Glasgow. He's living these days. Ikoda. Well, sometimes he's in France. Okay, Howie. Uh, it's an instrumental album he just came out with. Uh, SLWCCY, this is a collab I did with uh, Sam Lockward in Iowa City. Tell me when it's on. The bell goes out of its way. Brand new, guided by voices. Right, every three months, brand new. Paul, <laughs> incredible. And then Weird Weeds. And, and I, I've heard of a bunch of Weird Weeds, but this one's called Track 5. Like, right, if you don't give it a title from the iTunes or some shit, or off a, off a CD. But I guess this is actually the name of the song. It didn't actually. It didn't actually have a title. Yeah. Okay. okay. You know how they did that? They come off the CD. They just had track one, two, and that. So continue with the story. So Dave Dove has a influence on your life. Yeah, he found me at a record store buying Captain Beefheart records, and he uh, told me I should come see Sam Rivers Trio. So I did. Sam Rivers. Did. Wow. Yeah. Pettybone brought me to see Sam Rivers in Hollywood. Incredible gig. Yeah, I love I love that show. That was my first uh, free improv show, or I guess jazz show, I ever went to. Wow! And, uh, and it was yeah. uh, it was a sea change for you, huh? Yeah, and I I got looped into the whole uh, Nameless Sound Pauline Oliveros Foundation crew. So, um, yeah, I started going to Dave's workshops like once or twice a week, and started I know I just met a bunch of uh improvised like young improvisers you know people were in I was in high school but like some of those people were in college and just sort of young adults that seemed pretty cool doing some you know really experimental sounds so yeah that was an interesting way to get into music super early I guess uh, you know high school now after high school you go to higher education for music uh no I went to architecture school okay but you still on the other burner? Did you have music still going? Yeah, yeah. So I, I went off to, you know, UT Austin, and uh, I started a band with Tom Carter called Spiderwebs. That was, like, my first semester of college, and we, we released a, a CD. And then we've been playing together, you know, off and on since then. I think we have another album out. Um, and then Tom moved away to California, so I joined a band called Weird Weeds, which was with uh, Sarah Hennies and Aaron Russell. Right. So that's what we just heard. Right. Okay. You know, I uh, maybe last year guest on named Ice, and this lady makes trippy ass music, but she's an architect. She uh, uh, she went to school in St. Louis. I think they're in Knoxville now. Cool. Her brother Evan Lubson, the stand up bass player, they're just about to have a new bring on board a new shipmate. Nice. But yeah. You well, can I'm, be I'm an architect and do music. She proves it, and you proves it. So it's okay. Yeah. In fact, there's a famous quote for uh, Charlie Mingus, right? Trying to talk about music is like dancing about architecture or something. Yeah, I think I've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Spiderwebs, is that your yeah. first band? 
I mean, that was the first one that had a name that was, you know, recorded and did shows and stuff. So, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, so it's different than that stuff, that improv stuff in high school and stuff, right? Well, improv groups, you know, membership changes depending on who's there. Right, <laughs> so right, right, right. But, you, but, know, but you, you mentioned something about guitar. So you grab it, you, you leave the keyboard, uh, the piano and the uh, clarinet for guitar? Yeah. Why? Um... I guess my brother had a guitar and it seemed like a fun thing to learn. So I got, I got my own guitar when I was in middle school. And what was it? Was it acoustic or electric? It's the same one I play now. It's an Ibanez Art Star. Oh, electric. oh you mean like uh, uh, Keith, the, 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 on the table, the, the Keith Rowe thing? I mean, that's the same guitar that I've always had. Okay. Because I seen, uh, you gave me a picture and it's just sitting on a table. Now, I learned about this guy. It's probably on my lap if I were going to make a guess. Okay. Uh, I learned yeah. about this guy from the AAM, right? Uh, from uh, Actually, uh, Rob Chapman's book on Sid Vicious. Uh, Sid Vicious. Sid Barrett. <laughs> because he was yeah, highly influenced know. by these cats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, meet Keith Rowe when I was in high school. Uh, you know, Dave brought him through for a workshop. And, you know, I've played with him since we have a he and Dame and I have an album out together that just came out like a month or two ago. You know what? Next hour, you gave me some music. Maybe it's from that. Where, yeah, I think so. OK, so we'll play that. I don't want to jump the gun here. Or, uh, so, uh, <laughs> OK, Weird Weeds. That, yeah, that, that ends up doing records and stuff because I've heard music from it. Yeah, I, we've, we've done, I want to say like five or six albums. I, I forget. Uh, but, you know, uh, Sarah moved to Ithaca, New York, and the band broke up. I guess that was around, like, 2012, but, you know, that band had a good run. Um, Aaron and I were recording some stuff during the pandemic, and <laughs> that band's had an interesting trajectory. Our early material – did you just sneeze? Bless you. No, I didn't um, sneeze. Our earliest material, uh, you know, really short little songs – uh, and then it sort of evolved into playing these really long, drawn-out kind of, I don't know, different different stuff. But it sounds like the same group still. It's in, it's funny how it's completely different, but it still sounds the same. Uh, but Aaron, Aaron and I, we were recording like a, about a year ago, and we <laughs> just almost like noise music, so I, noise drone music. So hopefully Sarah will, you know, put some percussion in there, and we can have a new Weird Weeds record. Now, Weird Weeds, did they ever tour? Yeah, um, a couple times. Uh, we went up to New York a couple times. We played in Toronto. We played. We did a West Coast tour. Um, we played a lot of Texas shows. Yeah, like because my, it my was first, a Texas band, show, right? It's a Texas yeah, band. Yeah, my first show with Weird Weeds was, was in Austin. Uh, we opened for Deerhoof. That was really fun. Yeah, great band. They just put out a new album. I got to hear it. I haven't. I haven't tracked that one down yet. Yeah, yeah, it just came out just a couple of days ago, maybe last Friday. Yeah, yeah, so a week ago. Uh, but Greg Sarnier, I think he's working with Maya up in the city right now on her album. He's incredible music, man. I think he went cool. to uh, Oberlin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, Aaron from Weird Weeds went to Oberlin too, and I think they knew. Ah, that's there. the connect. Okay. Yeah. Small world, huh? Heard, Small world. <laughs> that Weird Weeds track you just played, uh, yeah. I think John John Dietrich's on uh, has a guitar part on it. Okay, and he's one of the Deerhoof yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got to make an album with him. He incredible musician, beautiful man yeah. too. Yeah, beautiful. Everybody in that band is really good people. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a ju- uh, treasure for our fucking movement. Uh, so, uh, you moved from Texas. Yeah. Well, I lived in Canada till I was 10. I lived in Massachusetts for two years, Florida for two years, Delaware for two years, and then Texas. My last two years of high school were in Houston. Then I went to Austin for college, and I moved back to Houston. And now I'm in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, because we're talking to you right now from Brooklyn, right? Yeah. And, uh, of course, the boroughs, New York City, attracts people from all over. That energy, right? There's no town like it. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much going on. Uh, There's just tons of people to play with. Uh, It's a different kind of vibe. Like, I kind of like the the Houston improv vibe. is a little lower key, lower stakes. Um, But... Sandy, I'll tell you, Nels Klein, okay? SoCal here, grew up in Santa Monica, shit. Tried to get free music going with his twin brother, Alex Klein. Years and years. He moves to New York City. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) happening. (laughs) It's not like lack of people. There's a buttload of people living here, but they just would not support it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Houston had you know a small dedicated crew that would come out to shows, but New York, it's just there's just so many more right, people doing right. it. Like, you look at the at Jessica's calendar, nyc-noise.com, and she's got like, <laughs> you know, usually like two or three, maybe four shows a night going on various places. I know, I, I know. Nels a lot is of in, it's free. Nels is in heaven, you know. It was just so much, and he 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 always dreamed about it. He told me, but the reality was just. And he, and he did. He worked like 20, 30 years trying to get it happening here. It just wouldn't take. Uh, yeah. We're at the end of the first hour, October 8, 2021. And just want Pedro special guest said to you, you know what? That John Coltrane record comes out today, live in Seattle, Love Spring. Hold cool. tight for hour two. October 8, 2021. It's the second hour of Watt for Pedro show.
An alarm sounded Everyone's got their race to run I am racing against time Today, this morning, forever
Watt from Pedro Show. Start off second hour, Weird Weeds with Holy Train Wrecks. And I was just enlightened to the fact Steve Gigante was a member of Weird Weeds for a while. And he, he's been on the show and he's an amazing, creative individual. What's Some kind of old man. He's got a moniker that's pretty hilarious. And for a while, he had a tenure in Deer Hoof. Ben Salter from Tasmania after that with Debt Man Without Tattoo. How Yes No out of Croatia. Tesco Ye Reshi Duro. It's hard to say, Duro. This is Tobakova Kushne Peshi out of Slovenia. And then finally, Sandy Ewan, Keith Rowe. Speaking about last hour. Damon Smith, where the juncture knits the channel bone. So a, a, a radical way of playing guitar, right, Keith Rowe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for his time, uh, I don't think anybody had ever done that with guitar before, right? No. Yeah, so he was a man ahead of his time, in his time, and he was a huge influence on Sid Barrett. I learned from Rob Chapman's book, A Very Irregular Head. I mean, his argument is that Sid was not insane, a little drug problem, and but he he just didn't like the Mersh. He was an artist. He wanted to be yeah. part of the, the, the Welcome to the Machine, that later the band would sing about this, right? And they would make albums about this dilemma that he had. He walked back home to Cambridge, right? Barefoot or some shit, 40 miles. But that's probably the craziest thing he did. Uh, that's what this book argued. Rob Chapman was a singer for Glaxo Babies, Bristol Bay. Uh, Keith, so so you got to meet him uh, via Dave Dove. Now, you had yeah. already been playing guitar before this, right? Yeah. But then he, it's a sea change, right? It's like, whoa. Well, Honestly, I, I had been playing uh, the way I – I didn't change too much, but it was good to see someone else doing it. I mean, he has a tabletop guitar, and I put my guitar in my lap, which is kind of a different thing. Like, he's fairly removed from it, so he's setting things up in kind of a precise way, the way you might, like, set a table or something. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I feel like my playing has always been a little more gestural – um, like, and cause you know, the guitar is like physically on my body. So if I move with it, it's, it, it's a lot more, uh, gestures with my arms and, uh, you know, I'm using a lot of, I've always used a lot of implements, but that's just sort of to coax out more interesting sounds. I think like the, uh, yeah, Keith, Keith was, it was great to see him and, and meet him. And, uh, I think one thing he gave me was, a. Uh, like a piece of a coat hanger that he showed you could make a high pitched sound with your Evo using that. <laughs> now, what about lap steel? I mean, that's a tradition that goes way back, right? Yeah, I think I'm close to that sort of, except with more implements. Um, I have a pedal steel guitar. I was playing that a little bit during the wow. pandemic. The possibilities are so fucking endless. Well, it's a great instrument because <laughs> yeah, it's you incredible. Use, if you don't know how to use it, it still sounds beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the possibilities, right? All the different tunings, all the bendings, all the combinations. Oh my god! And, yeah, and I got to meet Sneaky Pete. I don't know if you're aware of him, but he was flying Burrito Brothers, and actually, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. traditional guys got pissed at him because he used feedback and shit. <laughs> You're you're always upsetting anybody if you want to like explore, right? Yeah. There's always this tension between traditional and then you know, going where no human has gone before. 
Do you know Susan Alcorn? God, she played. She's, she's a pedal steel player. She's great. She she used to live in Houston, so I've known her since you know forever. Okay. And Heather Murray, another good pedal steel player, also Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Though there's a lot in Nashville too. Of course, there's a lot of work there with the studios. I had yeah. a guy from England who actually moved there for the work. But I was asking Nels, you know, because in my stupidness, oh yeah, lap pedal. They're, they are different universes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but they're, they're both bitching. I, I, I love them. Look, you gave me this music here from the first band, Spiderwebs. This is Away, Away, O2. Thank you. 
for Pedro show that chunk of music away away oh two spider webs if Moana with the uh, Margolis Chester New York once upon a time after that and then Sandy you and Weasel Walter I got to play once with him in Pedro man I couldn't connect with him like he wouldn't look at me <laughs> he 
wouldn't look at you. He wouldn't, you know, drummer, bass, rag, rhythm section. Well, in the old days, almost everybody except the horns was in the rhythm section. Yeah, piano, guitar, everybody was chomping on those fucking, you know, uh, huh. eighth notes or quarter, you know, bump, 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 bump. They had to like really beat the beat out because of the horns were so loud. And people were dancing, right? So they had to get over that in their feet. Anyway, Sandy, you and Louisa Walter with the Paradox of Tolerance, zero one, zero two zero one. Maybe that's why I put them in that show. But uh, nothing against Louisa Walter, but man, I wish he would have made a connect with me. At least some ojos, see some ojos. It <laughs> 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 was at a biker bar, this place, Harold's place in Pedro. You know where the the favorite pickup line is, "Nice tooth." You know. Anyway, how'd you meet Walter? Uh, he he was part of that big uh, jam with. Uh, Roscoe and Damon, right? Yeah. Well, I met I met Weasel through Damon. Uh, Damon was living in Texas, and he and I were playing together a lot. And Damon brought Weasel through town, and then we've had a trio ever since. And, uh, you know, that trio's played with, you know, different people. Roscoe Mitchell. Uh, oh, that's what it was. That was the core band, Peter. and then that was all Yeah, band. yeah. Okay, okay. We played with Peter Evans. Uh, we're going to have – Damon's coming to – to Brooklyn um, in like a week or two, and we're playing a, a trio gig. And um, I think uh, Robbie, Robbie Coltrane said he might sit in with us for a little wow. bit. Wow! Yes, that'd be bitching. I'd like to meet that man. But I seen him play. I saw he was with Max. You know, Max Roach. He set everybody in a line. I like that. He'd be on one end, but no, no hierarchy. No. I mean, big mistake was Minuteman putting George Hurley in the back. That was so fucking... I always have my drummers up front now the last 20 years, but we should have done that. But anyway, Max Roach's count-ins. And <laughs> I guess you just play as fast as you can. You know, you, yeah, there was no one, two, three, that shit. It was just and... <laughs> Go, yeah. Yeah, go. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> and this idea of older guys playing with younger guys, it's no rock and roll shit to market some youth kind of trip, right? Music is music. Yeah. I, I, it was beautiful to see that, where you got the, the sensei, you know, and uh, the mentor and the, you know, the cat yeah. coming on. Yeah. I, I, I really... Now, I took a drummer that was 40 years younger. Maybe with the Rolling Stones being in this, you know, 70 and shit, maybe that's over. Maybe we don't have to... <laughs> It's it's not a young person. You know, music is music. It doesn't matter what age. And uh, Well, I think that's that's one of the good things about free improv, in my mind, is that um, it isn't like youth music. I feel like there's a yeah, lot of music yeah. that's supposed to be like fun and pop popular. And it's it's about like, you know, young people like hooking up and whatever. And free improv is not that. It's it's more like community based. And, well, I think in you the know, 50s, there's a certain amount of respect for your, your elders. And I don't know. I think in fifties they were repurposing boogie woogie to sell to this new thing called the teenager. They're living at home. They got expendable money. Yeah. I, I hate to be that cynical, but not, not the spirit of rock and roll and stuff, but there was some, and so there had to be this kind of, you know, they used it to sell rebel without a cause movie. Right. But still a good movie. Shit yeah. happens like that. Uh, speaking of older guys and free uh, music. In fact, he wrote a book called the free music. Jack Wright. Have you played with him? Uh, I I think I shared a bill with him, uh, but I haven't played played with him. But I know I know him. He, I would like to play with him. Okay, okay. So you know of him, and uh, he's been on the show, and, uh, and th that book is incredible. And uh, 
he, he he has no problem playing with younger people and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I really like that. I really like that. Maybe because I'm sixty three, <laughs> <laughs> December sixty four. But you know, time's a freight train. What do you do? Say no. <laughs> you can, but it don't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's funny about that kind of stuff. Saying you know, nobody picks when they're born, though, right? It's all circumstance. You get what you get. Yeah, that's right. Life deals your hand, and then you get you gotta play it. And if people get into your life, man, is that a fucking happening thing? Unless yeah. some people behave aiding the betters, then it's not a happening thing. Okay, we're at the end of the second hour, October eight, twenty twenty one. What Pedro's your special guest, Sandy? You, you and hold tight for three. October eight, twenty twenty one. It's the third hour of the What for Pedro show.
Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Aaron's piece from Blues Raspberry Sour Apple. Then Babe's New York City. <laughs> Still the worst name ever, but I like the song. A bike is falling apart. Kishibashi. Uh, Kay was on maybe a month ago. Early morning breeze. Uh, Verac- uh, Versari out of Paris with De- Amy. How would I say that? Des images, okay? <laughs> Des images, probably they'd say. I like French because you take, you, you remove the last letters. It's Econo, I like this. On the Big Walk, this is Jack Blanc, Sandy Ewan, Damon Smith, and Chris Cogburn. Uh, explain both these uh, pieces, Sandy. Uh, Aaron's piece, uh, that was... Uh... A piece written by Aaron. Uh, the group is uh, the all-female large ensemble that I was in charge of, and every iteration of the group had a different fruit-flavored name. So that was Blue Raspberry Sour Apple. 
Yeah, it's um, great. I like it. Yeah. And the what was the second? Oh yeah, the it's a quartet with uh, Yap, Damon, and Chris, and um, that was a fun project. We we went on a little mini tour, and then we did a recording session. And uh, I brought my parents' dog along in the car, and it was very fun. Yap, so Espanol? Okay. No, he's he's Dutch. Dutch. Oh yeah, yeah. It's why. That's right. Espanol is H. Yeah, Dutch you should you should check out his work. He he does a lot of uh, like sound poetry, and his, his he does a fantastic version of Ursonata. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I Jan, uh, Hurt Jan. I have a friend in Holland named Hurt Jan, so I should know. I'm an idiot. My memory's so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about. The, the large woman ensemble like you say this is Aaron's piece so what, the, a lady brings a piece of music to the big band and then what how, how, how do you how do you I guys just, I just told everyone well, we just needed material to work on and it, it was we did some just straight out improvising too but um, I found if we were doing a performance it was nice to sort of intersperse free improv with compositions so that was a I think the idea of that composition was to make a sound, let it be as long as it's going to be um, based on like how long the instrument rings out for and then repeat it again. And how, again. Many, how many ladies were in the band? Um, it sort of ranged. Sometimes we were like No, like this one eight. here, like Blue Raspberry um, Sour Apple. I'm thinking like 10, but I'm not, I forget. Now, did Erin write for the 10 people or she just had this piece and then you adapted it? Um, that she was in the group for that. Uh, but the, I think just repeating stuff, we probably tweaked the directions to it a little bit, but I, but yeah, we would, we would oh, just, is this like what you were talking about, the graphical score kind of thing. Well, it's more like a verbal score. You just sort of say like, everybody has to, has, a, has their own like repeating sound and it, it doesn't necessarily sync up cause it's just sort of as long as yours happens to be. So they kind of overlap in different ways. And, Are you... You mean like dancing your uh, ornette or something? Macalodiet? What do you call that? Harmelodic? Like I it mean, sounds like dudes playing different songs at the same time. Well, we're we're all we all have the same intention, but the the idea isn't that we're all like synced up in time. It's so much that like things overlap in in different amounts of time. So it's I don't know. You know what somebody once told me about time? A definition that I thought was interesting. No. The only reason for time is to keep everything from happening at once. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you gave me this music, Red Current, in a tune called Fabiola Trio. Oh, yeah, that was uh, another of uh, the all-female large ensemble. That that piece was written by Rebecca Novak. Oh, current, like a berry.
Last music for this edition. Red Current with an A or an E. We're deciding off air, people. Fabiola <laughs> Trio. And this is another version of the large one. How many ladies were in this one? Um, I think there were 10 of us. 10 again. Remember. Okay, that's a good number, right? One for, for each finger uh, yeah. and, and thumb. And then we had a, a central with a defining pattern, planted for burial out of Pennsylvania, born domesticated life. Ray Shin, Catatonia, Florida. I don't know if there's such a town, but that's what music's for, pretending. And then finally, you just gave me this, Garden Medium, with a tune called Glencoma Heterosea. Did I pronounce that right? Uh, probably. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce Latin. What, 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 what is that project? Uh, Garden Medium. Okay, the the that's Rebecca Novak and uh, Carol Sandin Cooley, um, both members of uh, the ladies ensemble, and but uh, Garden Medium just did free improv pieces, pretty much exclusively. And yeah. Okay, and what are uh, New York people? No, Houston people. Oh, they're Houston people. Okay, okay, and. Uh... Uh, and then the red current was just another version, not just, but a version of the, the large lady. But yeah, the, were, was, were they different ten ladies? Were they? It, sometimes there were twelve, sometimes less. It sort of depended on how right, many right. people were on board for a project. That uh, uh, red current was um, organized to do uh, a big performance uh, for a Francis Ali installation that was at the Manil um, is called uh, Fabiola. And it was uh, the, his art installation was hundreds of sort of folk art re renditions of Fabiola, who's the patron, patron saint of uh, nurses and abused women. Um, so we did a whole bunch, I don't know, probably, there's a video of it on, on YouTube. If you type in um, Red Current at the Manil, you can yeah, find but like I a... don't know how to spell current, so he's gonna. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll just do it. Just do it both ways, people. One of them's gonna. But yeah, yeah, out. we we I had I had everyone in the ensemble write different pieces, and they were supposed to somehow relate to the art, and also have um, an idea of how to move through the space. So we had interesting sort so, of. Uh, oh, you're saying, Sandy, that these are actually recorded at the uh, art museum, or they're recorded? Yeah, we, in a we studio? performed it at the at okay. the museum, and it, there was sort of choreography where we'd be at different corners of the room and uh i don't know it was it was fun yeah yeah well, interest interesting group it was probably an experience yeah right right i think in the 60s oh, yeah. they called them happenings and uh you know there's something about that right it's all about the moment and stuff and but we got a little audio recording here of it uh document uh yeah but but probably loses some of the dimension, like you said, all the the stuff, and also it's combined with the uh, these other things. That that's really to have multifaceted expression like that. I think is where things are headed. You know, like you, you said about this early uh, earlier in the show, this conflict between visual art and uh, you know audio art. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, right? Uh, that, yeah. If you if you watch a movie, look at all those forms coming together to make the one piece. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I, I've been enjoying uh, making music videos. Um, I mentioned that I'm an architect, so I have a lot of uh, computer software, and I've been making uh, music videos for different projects. 
Oh, interesting. You mean like CAD? Like CGI. Like I have a video rendering program. So I, I make 3D objects. I've been doing like photogrammetry, which is when you take a bunch of pictures and you squish it through your computer and it gives you a 3D model of something. Yeah, in the old um, days, I think they called it CAD. Yeah, well, I mean, I have... Computer-assisted drawing or some shit. Yeah, like so yeah. I guess it's CAD, but I, it's more like... But, computer but, yeah, yeah, we're talking... Yeah, but what, you know... I got trained to fucking solder key punch machines. You know, they, <laughs> you made the card to make the program. These motherfuckers took, like, hundreds of amps just to make the card. So you're pro <laughs> yeah, and slide rules. When I went to high school, there's no calculators. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I ain't that old. But things have changed so much. So you got the better uh, understanding of this. Because they, they didn't have the power to make 3D things really yet. So that's the CAD world is probably ancient. Uh, what's your next plan? My next plan? Yeah. Um, Music-wise. Music-wise. You know, Damon is coming to town. Oh, I'm playing a gig with uh, Tim Dahl and Weasel coming up. Um, I'm trying to get to Maria Chavez. Do you know her? She's a turntablist. She and I have uh, some recordings that I need to be um, figuring out artwork for. We're going to do some sort of releases in some sort of form, like a book or something. I'm. We need to get it sorted out. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and, and uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, sandyun.bandcamp.com or if you look me up on YouTube, you might be able to find my YouTube channel. Yeah, or uh, just use a search engine, but people, her, her S-A-N-D-Y, last name E-W-E-N. Yes. Okay. Uh, big honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Sandy. When you get this, use that English word, right, sorted out. No, you said <laughs> sorted out. They just say sorted, right? Yeah. So yeah. when you get it sorted out, when you come back on the show, I, I'm really interested in what you're doing. So I, I'd love to have you back on the show. I'd love to be back. Thank okay. you so much for having me. Absolutely, it's uh, great Sandy. to speak with you. And thank you, Brother Bill, for making the connect. People, it's been sure, September. Yeah. No, it ain't. October 8th, 2021. <laughs> this is my Peter. So keep you powder dry.